the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. False. It is a lie. I am not Brad Carlson. Oh, that sounds a lot more ominous than I intended it to. I'm just Brad's off on assignment today. Technically, so am I. We'll come back to that in a moment here. Anyway, I am, of course, the headliner, Mitchburg, and uh. Words that have never crossed my uh, lips in my life. That's Brad's turf, and that's okay. He's normally heard this time of day, every Sunday, from 1 to 3 here on AM 12A, The Patriot. My normal lane is every Saturday from 1 to 3 here on AM 12A, The Patriot. In between us, more or less, the new guy, Jack Tomzak, uh, Saturdays from 3 to 5 here on AM 12A, The Patriot. And let's never forget, fellow charter member that aren't King Banyan. Joins us every Saturday morning doing the best show in the world on the subject of economics. Uh, Literally. I mean, I don't know what competition there's. Oh, yeah. No, there's a couple of those stupid shows on public radio. King's better. Any other good shows on economics, say, on public broadcasting? King is better. Name them. King is better. Saturday mornings, 9 to 11, on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. Together, the Northern Alliance Radio Network going on 20 years of dominating all Twin Cities media. Now... Literally, it, we are heading towards our 20th anniversary, just two two weeks out here. March 6, 2004, was the first day of this broadcast. And, and there will, by the way, be uh, an anniversary party. Uh, the plans are afoot. Mischief is afield. Uh, skullduggery is being dug. And there will be a 20th anniversary party, so stay tuned for more details on that. We'll have something nailed down in the next week or so here that will be taking place within a reasonable period of time from the 20th actual anniversary. Unlike, say, the 10th anniversary party that's still technically on the drawing board. And in fact, I may just bundle them up together here. At, at any rate, that's 20 years of coming into this studio most every weekend. I probably take four or five weekends uh, a year off. Brad, probably about the same. Jack, 15, 20 fun on you, Brad. Jack, it's okay. No, Jack uh, Jack is uh, is down here uh, slugging it out with us every weekend here as well. And King, uh, he's got his home studio up in St. Cloud. He's he's so big he doesn't have to come into the studio. At any rate, people say, well, what do you do this for, Mitch? I mean, 20 years now, you've been coming down to a station here in 
uh, the, the near shallow suburbs of Egan and doing a show, uh, speaking to the masses and not not doing it on a big network, as, as you clearly deserve, well, duly noted, not doing it on, on, a, on a huge station, doing it on, on a station that's just the right size, really, to be perfectly honest. All that's true. But then people ask me why. Is it the adulation? I, that doesn't hurt. Is it the money? Well, I mean, you wouldn't believe what we got paid for this, but the money doesn't hurt. I mean, adulation, money, fame, the babes, I mean, they all kind of add up after a while, at least for for me. I, I don't know. Brad's married and, and King's married and Jack is, well, he tells you about that on the show, so I'll let you draw your own conclusions. But yeah, all those things help. But but one of them that is not part of the reason that I've been doing this show for 20 years is people people ask me, Mitch, you must love politics. You must love politics a lot to spend all this time, two hours a week, once a week for 20 years, sometimes more, uh, talking about politics. And I say, that, that's not a bad assumption or it's not a completely inapt assumption, but it's wrong. It is wrong. I detest politics. I, I, I have nothing but respect for people who do well, people like Jack, who have been in the actual policy trenches, working for candidates, working on campaigns, working for, for politicians who've been elected to office, people like Jack and like, like Anna Matthews, the executive director of the Minnesota GOP, nothing but respect for any or all of them. I can't do that. The idea of, of I, I, it just it does not vibe with me. I think that's what the kids call it these days or what the kids called it in 1969. One of the two. At any rate, I I don't care for the practice, the trade of, of politics. And, and on this show, we've had people over the years who have practiced the trade of politics very capably. Obviously, Jack Tomczak is a professional. Uh, former co-host Michael Broadcorb, enough said. Some of the other folks in the business, John Hinderocker, obviously, is in the uh, in the trenches of of day to day politics here in Minnesota when he's not cleaning up firebomb damage to his office. What? Too soon? At at any rate, I'm not that person. I I I lose patience at the the day to day machinations of of the political process. I understand them. I respect them to the extent that they are respected by the politicians in St. Paul and in D.C., which, by the way, it means the current crowd in St. Paul respects them not in the least since they're basically using their trifecta as an excuse to jam down everything all in sundry. But that's that's going down a different rabbit hole here. People say, you must love politics. I say, oh, no, 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 I do not. I don't care for politics. But the thing about politics is, and I, I say this to some of my libertarian friends who say, well, I'm just going to deny my consent to the process. Well, good for you, Sparky. The process is still going to come for you. Po- whether you like politics or not, in the real world, politics comes for you. And, and that means even if you're not in a democracy and you've sworn off politics completely, the people who have won the political game are going to come for you, whether it's via the tax dollars or if you're in a totalitarian dictatorship by throwing you in the gulag for whatever reason they want because there's no such thing as due process. Anyway, politics comes for you, even if you don't want to get involved, even if you <clears throat> withhold my consent 
it's still coming for you. And the reason I do this, really, there's a couple. Number one, I hope to leave this world a better place than it was when I came into it. Well, that's kind of swinging for the fences, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it is. And one of the reasons that, that one of the ways we make this world a better place is to leave it with better ideas than were in floating around while we were here. And and I say that with a particular end goal in mind. I mean, communism, far Marxism, far left socialism uh, is all stuff that makes the world objectively a worse place than it is. And. You say, well, that's certainly uh, ambitious, Mitch, uh, trying to trying to wipe communism out from the world and, and not just old fashioned Soviet communism. I mean, that's mostly gone unless you're in North Korea uh, or Cuba. But on the other hand, <laughs> the, the other problem is, yeah, it's still with us here and brings us to the other reason that I do this show that. Well, I'll come back to that here. One of the cliches, and, and really one, not just a cliche, one of the stereotypes of the talk radio business is that the audience is white males over 50. And by the way, that's always been the stereotype of talk radio. When I first got involved in talk radio in 1985, 86, what, 24 years ago, uh, the average talk radio audience was white males over the age of 45 and 50, which if you do the math, someone who was 50 years old in 1986 is going to be 60 years old today if you do the math. And yet we still get keep getting new listeners. We still have we probably don't have a lot of listeners in the in the Latina female 25 to 40, 35 market. There probably were, although feel free to sound off. Following this, by the way, on hashtag Narn Show on Twitter, N-A-R-N Show. But the at some point around age, somewhere between age 35 and age 50, something goes off in just enough people's brains so that as the people who were listening to talk radio 20 years ago at age 50 start aging out of the prime radio listening demographic, a whole bunch more people come into it. A lot of you out there were likely uh, not talk radio listeners when this show started 20 years ago. If you are, say, a 45-year-old guy, well, gosh, when this show started, you were, holy cow, 25 years old, and you were probably listening to music radio or Perhaps one of that generation that just didn't do radio anymore. You were all about the iPods and 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 the and what else do the kids? Call? Oh yeah, iPhones. That's the other what the kids call them today. You you were you use something along the line. If you're under the age of I don't know sixty or seventy, something since the dawn of Rush Limbaugh reached out to you and said, "Hey, there's some people on the radio who talk about things that really resonate you with you when it comes to politics, when it comes to the world around you. So they're still coming from somewhere. And they're going to have to. Because to paraphrase the who, the kids are not all right. There's You, you look at what's happening with the millennial and and Generation Z generations. And you look at the mental health crisis that they're in, which was exacerbated by the COVID lockdown and the, and the hysteria with which 
the lockdown was presented to so many of them and their offspring, quite frankly. Uh, and the, 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 the confusion with which so many of them, I'm stereotyping here, but stereotypes exist for a reason. They're true just often enough that, that uh, they, they, they really do make sense. Uh, that the confusion that so many of them are in in their lives, whether it's the, the whole idea of being gender nonconforming, multiplying by 4,000% in the last 10 years, which is a sign of, let's just be as neutral as possible, deep-seated moral confusion, and, and let's be honest, physical and scientific confusion as well. There is something with the generation that's coming up that is going to need to reach out and, and to change some things, because along with those other maladies, Surveys show that there's a fairly insane number of people of the younger generation who are big into socialism, into massive government interventionism, into into the chimera, the, the, the siren's song of what socialism, leftism, progressivism, communism, all of them, really, different different flavors of the same coin, if you eat coins, different different colors of the same dog. Uh, something is very seductive to them. And unseducing the kids may be the most important part of not just this show, but what all of us as conservatives have to do as we work our way through this life. Uh, Mitch Bergen for Brad Carlson. Go Nahor. I'll be right back. And ask for forgiveness or make a back to This is my recital. I think it's very vital. AM twelve eighty the Patriot. Truer words are never spoken. Mishberg in for Brad Carlson, headliner in for closer, the starter coming in for the reliever. Uh, the world is truly uh, topsy-turvy and upside down. No, Brad Carlson's just off on assignment here, doing his usual Super Bowl weekend uh, vacation the week after Super Bowl. Because sometimes you just got to, I was going to say shake it up, but that was, no, that's not Taylor Swift. That's the cars. Okay. Sometimes you got well, more on Taylor Swift uh, perhaps next Saturday here. Or maybe I talked about it yesterday. I don't remember. Either way, Mitch Bergen for Brad Carlson uh, while Brad's off on assignment. Anyway, uh, by the way, don't forget the Patriot Half Off Deals program will save you, well, half off, sometimes more, on great products and services here in the Twin Cities. Breathe, freedom from nicotine is one of them. You got a habit you need to kick? We can save you moolah when you quit smoking, chewing, vaping, uh, all the bad things. It's a smart investment in your well-being. And today, today, you can save half off of Breathe therapy. Just go to am1280thepatriot.com, click on the half off deals icon or call, you ready for this? 651-405-8800. That's 651-405-8800. I just go to am1280thepatriot.com. They've got all the numbers for you. So, why do I do this? Well, to paraphrase the liberal I used to be, I do it for the children. And when I say children, I mean the kids. I mean I'm talking about the people who are coming out into the world today and figuring out where it is they fit into this world and, and what it is they are trying to get out of this world and, and what the world's going to try and get out of them. And, and by the way, I, I'm going to talk about some things from the deep, dark, dank past here, but none of this is intended for as nostalgia. 
this is intended to actually uh, actually illuminate a few things that that I hear from people uh, of the generation below 40 years old today. Uh, Mark Twain had a saying that I just love. I live by it in so many ways. He said, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And I'm going to do some historical slam poetry in in a bit here. So this is not about nostalgia. In fact, uh, preventing the world from following the path uh, of that modern progressivism wants to lead it down is a matter of life or death for society and in many cases for the people in it. This is social self-defense in the classic sense of the term. And and you say, well, isn't that a little bit dramatic? No, we've been down this road before. Remember, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And there's a big, big one-to-one rhyme going on in, in, the, in my mind and the mind of anyone who grew up about the same time that the bulk of this audience probably grew up in the 70s and the 80s and the 1990s, people who remember the Cold War. And people, kids today talk about how climate change is a mortal threat to their existence. Okay, we could have a debate about about the science, about the history, about the ethics, about the morals of that argument. We could and we will at other times. But let's just take it at face value. Because remember, history rhymes. My generation, and, and by the way, I consider myself, I do not consider myself a baby boomer at, at all. I, uh, I was, because the baby boom is, is the children of the World War II generation. My father was nine. My mother was five at the end of the war. So no, not a baby boomer. I'm a early ex, or, or as I prefer to say, I'm part of a generation that nobody cared what we thought about sitting around navel gazing and thinking about generational politics. Nobody gave a rat's patoot. So that's fine. That's okay. But if kids today say, I, like for example, I saw a meme on social media saying, yeah, say, baby boomers, I bought my first house when I was 25. Millennial, yeah, but your house cost 14 bucks. And that's true. There were things about life that were simpler and cheaper, even in constant dollars, even in inflation-adjusted dollars. Remember, when I started in radio, the minimum wage was $2.90 an hour, which is what I earned uh, for being on the radio back then. And, and after inflation right now, that's probably pushing 9 or 10 bucks an hour. So woohoo, uh, that uh, that made me pretty much, st- actually, in high school terms back then, that did mean I was kind of styling, but that's another story. Yeah. Parts of this world have gotten a lot more complicated and a lot more expensive. And part of the root cause of that complication, expense, unavailability of things that we used to call and, and still do call the American dream have a lot to do with the political beliefs that this generation has found itself absorbed into. There are parallels. Again, history rhymes. And some of the rhymes can kind of illustrate to, I think, a younger generation why maybe the path that they have put themselves on may not be the way to go. I'll I'll try to clarify that today here. Uh, Because trying to relate things you learn from experience in life to people who are younger and know everything. And I say this with all due respect to those of you under the age of 30. Everyone thinks they know everything. I was certainly one of them. And now that I do know everything, I remember, I realize what a schmuck I was back then. I'm being a little bit facetious here, maybe, maybe a lot facetious here, but you don't know what you don't know. And I'm going to try and pass along a little bit of 
what I think I know and what you might not. Certainly about history. Certainly about history before you were born or or not long after it. Just close enough after it where you would have no idea what happened. It's funny. I had a job once. At a job interview, I was interviewing for a position leading a project. And the, the, the boss said, so what experience do you have with millennials? I said, well, I spent the best years of my life raising a couple of them. So there's that. And it worked. It got me the job. And, and yeah, it, they... they are, things are different now if you are of somewhere near my age with the younger generation than they were for us. But if you are under 35, under 40, not as different as you might think. And, and by the way, if you are somewhere near the baby boomer Generation X, the same holds true for any of the, the younger folks you know. Well, let's elaborate here. Yes, the world is different today than it was back then. And yet, you could probably find some parallels, some historical rhymes. If, you're, if you've ever seen the movie Miracle, classic movie about the 1980 uh, U.S. Winter Olympic hockey team, and it was starring Kurt Russell and a, and a group of relatively unknown actors talking about the story uh, of the United States uh, 1980 Olympic team. Brilliant movie. Love that movie. It's one of the great underdog come from behind movies of all time, which is what it's there for. And it's uh, it's it's certainly worth a watch. And for purposes of this show, really, the first five minutes are the payoff for purposes of explaining the rhymes, if you will, of history. Look at the first few minutes of that movie. It goes through the story of the 1970s. Now, I was a little little kid when the 1970s started. I was fixing to graduate from high school when it ended. That dates me just a tad. I don't care. That's half the point here. You look at the the history of the United States as it was related in the opening montage of that movie, and it's enough to make you want to find a Xanax and a bottle of vodka because Xanax the right medication. Again, not being a millennial, I don't know my medications, at least not my psychotropic medications. Is Xanax the one that makes you happier? Maybe. Okay, we don't know here either. That's fine. Taking a happy pill and a a slug of vodka, having been there through a good chunk of what happened in the 70s. What happened in the 70s? Well, let's talk about that. We had a a war in Vietnam that that finally went off the rails and that we withdrew from. Initially, not complete abject defeat. We'll come back to that. About that time, the Arabs invaded Israel uh, as part of their mission to wipe Israel off the map. They failed, but only barely. It was the closest call Israel has ever had to being wiped physically off the map since 1948. And as a result of the U.S. support for Israel, the entire Arab world, which at that time drilled most of the world's oil, since Norway and Venezuela weren't really up online yet, They had an oil embargo, and the oil embargo all but crippled the United States. In 1973, it was the price of gas spiked all the way up to a dollar a gallon, which was unthinkable at the time since gas had been 25 to 50 cents a gallon up through much of history since World War II. And inflation set in simultaneously with stagnation. So for a while there, we had 
crippling near hyperinflation, up, up towards 9%, 10% a year, and much more than that for the things that working people need, things like food, gasoline, uh, went up way more than that. Uh, the price of a mortgage was up in the teens. You think mortgages are bad now. Think about looking for a house when you're paying 13% for a mortgage. So any of this ringing a bell here yet? Oh, and by the way, there was a Cold War going on, and those of us who grew up in missile country looked at the, the realization that something, if some junior colonel in Colorado Springs or Kubishevsk had a bad day, we could all be wiped off the planet, starting with us, by the way, in the middle of North Dakota, growing up, as I did, 20 miles from the nearest missile silo and smack dab between two big Air Force bases that were emphatic first strike targets. So... Climate change, if you are a millennial, you might have some existential angst about that killing you someday. I had a similar existential angst about something coming along killing me right then and there, right now. So, just saying, existential angst is not purely a millennial thing. It's something that those of us of a certain age who are paying attention can deeply, completely relate to. And even though I grew up as a Democrat, what? I grew up as a Democrat. What? Yeah, I did. Grew up as a Democrat and considered myself a liberal. It was about that time I started seeing some of the things that I'm hoping some of you start to see here in yourselves and the world around you soon. Mitch Bergen for Brad Carlson, Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. AM 12A, The Patriot. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Mitch Berg, in for Brad Carlson. Brad's off on assignment. I am here doing what I do best, what I enjoy. Well, not most, but kind of up in the top five at any rate. By the way, Freedom Fan Club members get premium content and on-demand access to their favorite local shows. That's us. That's Jack, Brad, me, King. Just click podcast at am12athepatriot.com. That's am1280thepatriot.com, one long word. There, you get access to a deep archive of interviews, conversations of the big doings of the week, or whatever week. I mean, you can go back, I don't know, years, I think, with our archives right now, and other hot topics and former hot topics and perhaps topics that will be hot again, among many other things. Just go to am1280thepatriot.com, click on the show, the, the local show, whose podcast you want to listen to. That includes myself, Brad, Jack, King. Uh, all of the local hosts here at AM 12A, the Patriot here. So you can violate the boundaries of space and time and listen to us whenever you want. Radio's not appointment radio like it was back, well, when I was a kid, which is what we're talking about for the moment by way of explaining some of the similarities between 1980 and 2024. Some of the ways history is rhyming, if you will, by way of explaining to the younger generation myself or helping you if you are someone of of the boomer or x generations who is trying to have a heart to heart with some of your kids perhaps some of your grandkids about some of the things that they believe some of the things they say some of the things they have learned and come to accept in school and i say this because i was one of them i grew up really democrat 
I mean, how Democrat? Well, see, I mean, the usual stuff. My dad was a high school teacher. He was a union guy. Yeah, a teacher's union is not a blue-collar union. And back then, it was a whole lot less insane as unions go than it is today. Denise Specht would have been regarded as a flaming communist in the North Dakota Education Association in 1981. But still, they were they were a, they they trended towards the Democrats, and that made my dad. He's always considered himself a moderate Democrat. He's voted for exactly one Republican since he graduated from high school, to the best of my knowledge. That would be North Dakota's sitting governor, and he did it because he met the sitting governor, who happens to be the husband of a high school classmate and uh, one of my dad's old students. And he thought, hey. He's a nice guy for a Republican. I'll vote for it. Well, whatever it takes. I mean, not like Doug Berger was going to lose an election uh, in a just world. By the way, he'd be in the short list for president today. But we do not live in a just world. Anyway, that was my dad. He considered himself a moderate Democrat, still does. Uh, in, in today's context, he's probably right. My mom probably considered us. I've joked in the past that if she it were yeah, getting married. If she hadn't been married and had three kids by the time, by 1968, uh, she'd have been a flower child. And I'm not too far off there, I don't think. I, I, I mean, at Woodstock, I rule nothing out. So these were my parents. And I say that with no pejoration involved, in, intended. I, they were great parents. I've said this before. Uh, one of the great gifts they gave us was that they were great parents and they gave us a very boring childhood, which given the trauma and drama that attends so many childhoods today, may be the best gift a child ever got. But they were very left of center and their social circle was as well. I grew up in a little town in North Dakota, but a town with a college. So that's a town where uh, Democrats in a very red area, even back then, uh, could still find other blues to hang out with and it rubbed off on me really you mitch being a democrat rubbed off on you oh yeah how do you know this well my first entry into politics was in 1980 so 24 years ago i went to north dakota boys state which was a mock government you basically got together with people other boys from around the state uh, they brought us all in the summer. It's like uh, last week of June. It was a whole week long. And we went to North Dakota State, and the American Legion sponsors us. They got us together into towns and counties and and then a whole state. And we had mock elections from the city and county level all the way up. And somehow, through means I have no idea, idea about other than the fact that this, at that time, extremely socially awkward 17-year-old apparently had a way with words enough to convince people that I could swing above my way. I somehow got elected party chairman, the chairman of the Federalist Party. There are two parties, Federalist Nationalists, uh, not Republicans and Democrats. They wanted to make it nice and fictional so we could start with a clean slate. And because if everyone would have just picked their own party, I would have been one about three Democrats and there would have been 400 Republicans. There. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so I went to North Dakota Boys State and the platform I wrote because that was my job as a state party chairman. I mean, get get can, find some candidates, get them nominated through the, the endorsing and convention process, and get them elected. And I wrote a platform that would have made Paul Wellstone go, uh, dial it back a little bit. A, a, a platform that would have made AOC and Ilhan Omar tingly in a progressive sense of the term. 
tingly between their ears. Uh, because it was that far to the left. I was talking about abolishing the draft and withdrawing troops from everywhere around the world and abolishing nuclear power and a re- a comprehensive redistribution of wealth and all the sort of stuff that would make Bernie Sanders today go, eh, I don't know about that. Though. Maybe we want to just dial back to crazy just a little bit. I, I was that because that was a the, the aquarium I grew up swimming in. I mean, just happy, joy, joy, give people what they want and make the world happy. I mean, that was that was politics in a Democrat family back then, then as now. And I also figured it was what people wanted to hear. I, I did. Inst- I didn't know much at age 17, but I did know people like to hear what they like to hear. Oh, big lesson there. So spoon feed people what they want to hear. Do it with commitment and pizzazz. And people will vote for you. And by God, they did. We won a landslide. My party, the the Federalists, won a landslide. By the way, we weren't remotely Federalist. We were the opposite of Federalist. We centralized everything. We were, we were, we were exactly what Tim Waltz and Peggy Flanagan are today. They shoveled out a whole bunch of unicorn exhalations. And pretty promises, and let's all be happy and be one Minnesota or one North Dakota boys state and go forward into the future together. I did what Tim Waltz did, and I had similar results at the executive level. My party got crushed running for the, the state house and Senate. That's fine. It, it, it all. I I won. I got my point. I won. I. My governor candidate, my lieutenant governor, my entire state cabinet, uh, we all won. All of them did. We had complete executive power of North Dakota Boys State. We. Point being, I got something that, that resonated with a whole bunch of kids. Remember, very conservative red area, instinctively. I mean, Leftism, liberalism, small l liberalism, is something that resonates with the young because it resonates in a simplistic way with the lessons that they are taught everywhere from Sunday school to to uh, to elementary school. Share and share alike. Use your indoor voice. Be kind to people. Uh, give people what they need. Nobody should go hungry, and and it's your responsibility to share with people what what. So no, nobody gets two until everybody gets one, that kind of thing. This is what I accepted as a given up through age, about age 17. Although there were some cracks appearing in the armor, a couple of things happened somewhere in my late teens that made me start to think, okay, maybe the whole world isn't unicorn uh, eye, eyelash blinking and, and fairies flying down from heaven, bringing a chest of money and cedar drawers with them. The first one was I read a book called The Black Book, B'nai B'rith's Black Book of Nazi Atrocities during World War II. And it cued me into something that went at odds with one of the key beliefs that you have to have to be a progressive, whether you're a baby boomer, a generation Xer, or a millennial, you have to believe 
the leftist cliche or the the center leftist at least cliche that government is the things we do together and that people are when you scratch the surface people are basically good and it's one of the key lessons in life and that realizing that government is the things we do together stupidly and incompetently that People are trash, not individually. People individually are are perfectly wonderful people. People gathered together in mobs, in groups, in tranches, in nations frequently, tribes, clans, are the opposite. They're they're acting in their absolute naked self-interest, which is frequently hijacked by the worst people among whatever the group is. And that the Martin Luther King line, history... uh, is long, though the moral arc of history is long, but it inexorably bends towards truth and justice. And I remember that line because my father was a high school speech teacher. I grew up listening to Martin Luther King's speeches. That was a, an exciting line, an idealistic line, a line you really, really want to believe is true. And then you read the black book of Nazi atrocities. And then you read the Black Book of Communism. And then you read Modern Times by Paul Johnson, which goes into some of the other atrocities humans have committed against each other. And you realize, as Kevin Williamson put it, the moral arc of history is long and it bends towards tyranny and barbarism. And something, something needs to to get in the way, to to unrail that particular car. We'll talk about that when we come back. Northern Alliance, AM 12A, The Patriot, go nowhere. You know what I mean? AM 1280, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, don't forget, SalemNewsChannel.com is a news channel that loves America and is not afraid to say so. You want your favorite hosts like Dennis Prager, like Hugh Hewitt, Brandon Tatum, Sebastian Gorka. Not Brad, not Jack or I yet. But we need to talk about this here, folks. So anyway, all on the channel that believes freedom of speech and religion are fundamental to what we do. We put truth ahead of agenda. And the agenda we do have, by the way, is the right one. I mean, it's the agenda that that leads to the ennoblement of more people than, than the alternatives. I'm digressing here. And we will not be bullied by big tech. By the way, you can get it on Roku, on top streaming platforms, or use the free app. It's the antidote to the mainstream media at snc.tv. That's snc.tv for Salem News Channel. Mitch Bergen for Brad Carlson talking about talking about something that is is – much on my mind here lately, and that is we have a generation, really probably two generations of people who have grown up either organically or having been indoctrinated by a a public and post-secondary education system with the belief that the American dream is not only dead, but was always toxic and always a horrible thing to begin with. And someone somehow has to push back on that. In a, in a kind way, in a supportive way, not in a badgering, threatening way. By the way, that's hard for some conservatives. 
uh, who see the idea of common sense as being so self-evident that you have to be a complete moron to miss it. That's no way to convince people. But to, to start the process of making our social dialogue a dialogue rather than a monologue shouted uh, by loudspeakers from, uh, from people like you see at our universities today. And I'm talking right now, just to set up some bona fides uh, about where I come from on this before we start talking specifics to, to pass on to the kids, because I think this is important. In fact, this is something I'm going to spend a lot of time talking on in another venue. Uh, more on that in a moment here. So I talk about, in the last segment, about me starting out as a Democrat. And there were a few things that started me on the path. I mentioned reading the, the B'nai B'rith's Black Book of Nazi Atrocities. I learned from that, gleaned from that, I should say, the idea that that people, that that a false state of humanity is not good. Humans are not good underneath them, at least not groups of humans. Mobs underneath it all are ugly things unless something drives them in the right direction. And that something is almost never a visionary with a, a thirst for power and a desire to make things better for everyone whatever it takes. Realizing that, and some of these other episodes that happened, for example, I was probably 14, 13 years old when President Carter gave his infamous malaise speech. Now, your Democrat friends will say, hey, he never used the word malaise in the speech. Well, that's right. Analysts did, which is even more damning in its own way. When you have analysts saying uh, this speech just made you yawn and exhausted and think, man, this country really is uh, up a creek, isn't it? And, and I remember that feeling, listening to it live as an idealistic, frightfully badly read 14-year-old, thinking, this guy is telling me in almost as many words that this country's best days are behind it and while he got his, I mean, he's the president of the United States, clearly the, the world he grew up in treated him very well since he just got elected president. The world that's being left for me, a kid who has yet to step out into the world, is going to be garbage. And you're telling me I have got to suck it up and learn to deal with it. And that didn't sit right with me because I was kind of a snotty, angry 14-year-old. No different than today? Yeah, okay, in a way, yeah. There's a certain amount of that that's still there with me. The malaise speech started me thinking, okay, if this system is leaving me a world that is garbage and a country that is uh, swirling down the drain, as they say, I, I can't buy into that. I have a life I want to live, and I, and I, I want better, or at least I want the same chance that you got, President Carter, sir. We'll come back to that. Another book I read, actually two different books, by a fellow named Pat Frank. Who? Pat Frank. He was an author who probably died in the 1970s. He'd been a writer for uh, Variety, uh, Atlantic, Variety. Uh, he, he was he, just a general purpose freelance writer, sort of a sort of a, a dissipate P.J. O'Rourke or a, maybe perhaps less insane Hunter S. Thompson. And he wrote two books that grabbed me back in the day, especially as a kid growing up in Missile Country. The, the biggest was a, a book called Alas, Babylon. It's one of the great sci-fi novels of all time, although it's somewhat dated because 
we're not worried about a nuclear war breaking out around us anymore, which we'll also come back to. Alas, Babylon was a story of a bunch of people in a town in rural Florida in between a couple of large uh, targets, kind of like I was. And the story of, of getting civilization going again after a global nuclear war that seemed very possible at that time. And it was a fascinating book in terms of what does society really do when things hit the fan? What does society really what 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 does society really fall back on? Is it demagogues with big words? Or is it timeless principles that should guide a moral, ethical, and humane society? And the answer is almost invariably A. And in fact, society is frighteningly prone to getting to lining up behind demagogues who said we're we're going to make the bad go away. We're going to make we're we're going to put a chicken in every pot, whatever it takes. We're going to get all of this pesky politics out of your way and get things done. We're going to make the trains run on time. Because we know how uh, late trains annoy you. And by the way, heaven help anyone who gets in our way, because we represent the will of the people. Now, you might be astute and think, you just described Benito Mussolini, Joseph Stalin, Vladimir Lenin, Pol Pot, Adolf Hitler. You're right, I did. I also just described, this is not comparing the policies themselves, or at least in their extreme sense. But I also just described the DFL trifecta. We're one Minnesota. We're going to move things forward. What things and define forward? We don't know. But they did to Minnesota in 2016, uh, 2018 and 2022 what I did to North Dakota Boys State in 1980. Told people what they wanted to hear said, I'm from the government, I'm here to take care of you. If you're a millennial, if you're a Gen Z right now, you probably are thinking, you know what? I want somebody to step in and take care of things for me right now. I've seen this, I've heard this from other millennials, people of that generation. We're going to have a word about that in the next hour. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. Mitch Bergen for Brad Carlson. Go nowhere. We'll be right back. Closing time. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.